Welcome to Beyond the Pen, the podcast that delves into the untold stories of emerging authors and the literary world. I'm your host, Maccabee Griffin, and each week I'll be shining a spotlight on talented yet undiscovered authors, giving them a platform to share their incredible stories and unique journeys that brought them to the world of writing. In each episode, we'll deep dive into the story behind the story, exploring the inspirations, challenges, and triumphs that have shaped our guests' literary careers, and have some fun along the way. From the initial spark of an idea to the journey of crafting and publishing their books, we'll uncover the secrets that make their stories truly special. But that's not all. Once a month, we'll be joined by an expert from the publishing world who will share invaluable insights and advice for aspiring writers, answering your burning questions, and demystifying the path to success in the literary industry. At Beyond the Pen, my mission is simple, to entertain, educate, and encourage the next generation of great storytellers. So whether you're a writer, an avid reader, or simply someone with a passion for storytelling, Join us as we venture beyond the pen and celebrate the power of the written word. Hello, everybody. My name is Maccabee Griffin. I am here. I am live. I am alive. If this is your first time being here, thank you for coming to Beyond the Pen. If this is your second time or further after that, Thank you for coming back. We really, really appreciate you. So today I am going solo. Miss uh, Chelsea be here next time. And I assure you she is going to miss this one because we have a wonderful author on that's going to be telling us about their book, Ugly. And it is by Kelly Vincent. They have created a story that deals with a whole lot of things that we talked about last episode, bullying with sexual orientation, with a lot of other things that we deal with growing up. So without further ado, I am going to bring them up. Hello. Hello. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Oh, I am above ground vertical and blessed. I hope you are the same. So Kelly, can you tell us about yourself just a little bit and something that you're willing to give up? So I am a YA author. I also write romance under a pen name, but I, um, you know, for my day job, I'm a data scientist. So I love the writing part, get more creativity even. And um, so I've been writing seriously since 2013. So I did NaNoWriMo several times, which helped me sort of develop the habit of um, writing a lot. That was really valuable. And, um, I have four YA books out and, uh, another one coming August 1st. So I love to write my YA about sort of like issues that matter. I don't, I don't know why I like, I, I love to read that stuff. And I just, I love to see, you know, kids struggle and come out strong. And I just, I love that sort of narrative. And I, also love stories about people, especially teenagers who are like highly skilled at something. I don't know why, but I enjoy that. So that's kind of what I've written, um, especially with Ugly. And um, something about myself that it's kind of hard. I'm pretty open. Um, 
I guess a lot of people don't know that I started a PhD in the Czech Republic. And turns out that um, I'm not one of those people who's great at living in a very different culture. <laughs> and I was not happy there. And so I ended up leaving and starting my career as a software engineer. So I moved from Czech Republic to North Carolina and it's changed from there. So, <laughs> Wow. So let's talk about the Czech Republic real quick, because obviously being now, were you born in, in Czechoslovakia? No, I, you... I'm from Louisiana. I was born in Louisiana and I grew up in Oklahoma. So, um, so it was just, it kind of, it kind of came about, I studied in the UK, then I did a master's in the university of Edinburgh, and then I did an internship in, um, the Open University in Milton Keynes, England. And there my supervisor's supervisor was from the Czech Republic and had a colleague at a university in the Czech Republic who um, had a spot for a speech recognition, you know, student. And so that's what I did. <laughs> wow. So the reason why I was asking that was because obviously when we're dealing with certain conversations uh culturally they're they are widely different uh, obviously uh for ugly we're talking a lot about sexual orientation we're talking about bullying but we're also seeing it from a different point of view in the sense of time frame uh one of the things that me and chelsea were talking about in our previous episode to this is the idea of dealing with certain things in our real life at a certain age and then writing about it a couple of decades later. So it's a little bit different in terms of the viewpoints. So my question to you is, how difficult was it for you to transition some of those same feelings and everything from when you were a child, a young adult, to now as an adult yeah. because of the different viewpoints during the, the generations? So, so ugly, you know, is primarily about someone who identifies um, as female at the beginning and um, realizes she's gender nonconforming and realizes that while a lot of people might change their pronouns in that circumstance, um, she's not really in a safe place to do that. So that's sort of the, you know, what the, the main point is. And for me, I, you know, when I was growing up, I hated being a girl. Like I just didn't feel right but I did not want to be a boy. And I was like, like Nick is frequently misgendered in the book as a boy and she hates it. That's how it was for me. I hated it. And I, I have some friends who were, who are women who liked being identified as male because similar feelings, but for some reason, male was wrong for me too. So I had no concept of this non-binary idea. So when I first learned about that, about five or six years ago, which is kind of late, but that's just how it went, how it played out my mind was like blown. <laughs> so I thought, what would it be like if I had had that knowledge, you know, as a teenager? And I thought, you know, I would unquestionably have come out as non-binary for sure. It might've taken some time, but it, you know, if I were in my teens or twenties, there's no doubt I would have done that almost very soon after learning about the concept. But as an adult, it felt weird. And um, so I didn't actually, come out as agender until fairly recently, but it was because of those feelings, those feelings from being a teenager 
they never fully went away when it comes to gender. Um, and so it wasn't that hard for me to, you know, get back into the mindset I was in back then. And, um, it was very, it was, I mean, like, you know, this was obviously a very personal story compared to my other books. And, um, it, it sort of sent me on an emotional journey that was much stronger than, um, you know, my, my other books, let's say. So, um, it definitely influenced me in my decision to come out as agender actually, which is just, I felt like I did a good job on that book and I felt like that was the right thing to do. And so that's what I did, but it was all about the feelings back then, which I remember vividly. <laughs> which is what makes a lot of these characters really jump out to us because even though you're talking about dealing with non-binaryism that you know, that whole terminology and the ideas that go with it being so young still in terms of society. Mm -hmm. uh, it is a sense that no matter what, these feelings are still going to be the same, no matter the age. However, we also have to understand that society's viewpoint on it still impacts us in a different way. Mm -hmm. So having said that, when you were dealing with this when you were younger comparative to now and writing about it in a modern time how difficult was it for you to actually transition into that thinking even though you still had the feelings mm -hmm. but looking at it from a societal point of view instead yeah. of a personal point of view well i definitely society was definitely incredibly relevant because she's in a small town in Oklahoma. And I actually grew up in Tulsa, but things have gotten a little better in the cities in Oklahoma, but the rural areas are still probably like it was when I was growing up, if not worse now, actually. Um, so think I, what I did was when I first started writing it, I just, I started feeling those feelings of confusion and, um, and you know, like my, my friend moving, she didn't move to Scotland. She moved to Texas, but, um, but, you know, I was kind of feeling all those things and I just close enough, you know, it's, it's about the same distance, you know, it felt like it. Um, so, so it was like, I just sort of like almost just put myself in, in the teenager's head. Like it was really not hard, um, to do that because of the, I was having the feelings that I remember and I just sort of got into my character's head and, um, and so like I did the things she did, like, um, I mean, like, okay, the, the research that she did in on gender and sexuality, gender identity and sexuality. And, um, I, um, actually just sat down and Googled it. Like what, what would, you, what would I have done at that age in terms of what I would have searched for and what I found. And so that actually, I just did it. And it was like, oh, okay. So that just took me sort of naturally into that mindset of kind of going from there and evaluating, you know, like it, I had to, when I was looking at certain, you know, incidents that happened, I had to, um, you know, factor in what is it like now that I know these things or I've heard of these ideas or things like that. So, I mean, it was surprisingly easy. And in fact, one of the critiques I had on the story is that it's too deep into the character. And I actually, I mean, this is from like a, a, a writer teacher that I respect and I tried to pull it back a little. I just couldn't do it. I was too in her head. 
And um, so I finally just gave up. And I mean, I've had pretty good reception for it. I think it's okay. It's just much deeper in there. And if you don't like that sort of thing, you know, really, really close into your character's head, then it might not be something you would like as much. But um, but it's it enables me to really explain things because it's her point of view fully. Well, here again, the great thing about being an author is the fact that you can go as deep as possible into each character's mindset, into their personalities. And the more that you can do that, the more that it is easier for us to actually write about, write their story. And even when it comes to other characters that may not be a part of us in a sense. So like, for instance, when we're dealing, when we're talking with you about the other students, uh, more specifically the jocks, because in every young adult book, film, there's always going to be these different cliques. Every guy is going to have their own little things that they do. And many of us regret a lot of the things we did back then. But there's also the points where we actually are proud of what we did. If you could, what do you think some of those other characters would be proud of now looking back? Well, so her friend, Sam, who's obviously, you know, her best friend, her only friend. And um, I think she would be proud of being supportive. I mean, although they, they, you know, tried an initiative to get help Nick find friends before Sam moved. It's kind of funny, but. And what was it called again? OSIN, Operation Social Interaction for Nick. And um, it was a total failure. I mean, like, like she, Sam kept bringing people to meet and it was just like, it's supposed to be kind of funny. I mean, it's just like, but also Nick really does struggle to connect with people. She doesn't really know how it's not in her skill set, And um, so she really struggles, but Sam really tried. And then I, I think that, um, you know, she made some mistakes along the way, obviously. And, um, but I think she, you know, she helped Nick visit her in Scotland and, you know, was supportive there. And probably I think, um, the solution that they come up with for Nick's uh, situation, living where she is. Um, right. I think it was, it was kind of from Sam. And I mean, a lot of times you wouldn't want to do that. Like usually you want your main character to be solving their problems, but I think Nick just wasn't in a place to be able to do that. And so Sam was like, here's the solution. Let's do this. And, um, or at least attempt. And so, you know, I think she'd be proud of how she supported Nick and helped Nick boost confidence and, um, you know, just put herself out there, you know, take some risks. Um, so that's Sam. And then um, the other characters, like I'm thinking Zach, who's the friend um, who drives them to the key club meetings. Um, I mean, he, I don't, he probably isn't aware that he's treating her better than she gets treated by other people. So he may not know that he should be proud of that, but he was, he wasn't really judging her. He, um, you know, looked at her as a fellow person and admired her skills. Um, so I guess some of the, um, you know, maybe some of the, the, the kids that she knows through her parents' friends, um, you know, I, I don't know that they would be proud of much, um, but they might, they might be glad that they tried to influence her to try different things and she just rejected it, but they, you know, tried to open her mind to different things. Um, but yeah, some of the characters just are 
sort of unforgivably, unforgivably bad. And, um, and I mean, but we're so deep into Nick's mind that I think that's okay because that's her perception of them. And as the author, I probably know they have redeeming qualities, but because of the depth into Nick's mind, it, I think it works that they just, she perceives them as evil. And, um, and then the, the, she makes a friend in her art class who, um, surprises her because Nick tends to view normal people as bad, you know, anyone who's kind of conventional and the way they dress and present themselves, especially girls, but sort of anybody. Um, and this, this girl's really cute and she dresses cute and Nick, um, kind of assumes they can't be friends and they end up being friends. And it's not like a deep friendship that's going to like, you know, transcend the years. Um, it's just a friendship that works. And Nick has not had those kind of friendships either. It's like, it's either this really deep friendship, like with Sam or nothing. And so this is kind of interesting to her, I think. Um, and so her, her friend, probably if she was aware that she was able to teach Nick something about more casual friendships, then I think she would probably should be proud of that because I think it was really um, something that even though it seemed kind of minor, it's really kind of did shape Nick's, it opened her mind, I suppose, to other things that come in in the second book, actually. But, um, but yeah, so I, she was actually kind of a character that just sort of showed up. I wasn't really planning her, but I thought she was kind of really important, even though it, she doesn't have a lot of page time, but, um, but she really did sort of change Nick's view. So. I, I like to use that term page time now. Um, I think that's really, that's going to be something that authors <laughs> are going to do right now. Every character has a certain amount of page time that they have. Uh, if you're not on page time, then uh, we'll, we'll try to work something out with your, your uh, managers and your agents and things of that nature. Um <laughs> So let's go back to what you you were talking about earlier when you were introducing yourself about being a data analysis analyst. I can't say this data analyst, but also living abroad. And like we said earlier, society's viewpoints on certain from certain cultures have an impact on the way mm -hmm. we write. They also have a way of creeping into our conversations some way, shape or form. Yeah. Were there any specific events that you went through while you were abroad from these different cultures that had some page time per se yeah. uh, that had an effect on our character? Yeah, definitely. Actually. So, um, so Nick's trip to Glasgow um, was based on me studying abroad in college. So I moved the time quite a bit, but um, that was kind of my experience. Like in, like I just could not make friends in Oklahoma and um, it was just really difficult. Um, and I just, I felt like people didn't want to be friends with you unless you benefited them in some way, like either by being attractive or um, a potential someone to date or things like that. That was my perception. And so when I went to Glasgow and studied, um, I mean, I spent a full year academic year there and um I made friends with people in one of my classes and it was like, they were inviting me to things. And I actually, at that point in my life, I just, unless I knew I was like explicitly invited to something, I didn't want to be there because I thought they might not want me there. And if that's the case, I don't want to be there. So they would just invite me to things. And like the first few times I said no, because I just thought they were just trying to be nice. But, and then I finally realized they, 
they weren't trying to benefit themselves with me. They were just being nice. And I mean, like they were friendly and I just, I really felt just more of a person. I was just like less judged just by existing um, there. And so that was really pivotal, like, you know, hanging out with those friends. And I also started going to this pub a lot and made some friends there. And it was just sort of, um, it was just a really different experience, which is why I put it in the book, because that's another eye-opening experience of, you know, things aren't always the same. And sometimes the solution is to try to put yourself in a new place, if at all possible, because sometimes you can't change the world around you. But if you change what that world is by going somewhere else, then, you know, and that's not always possible for people. And I recognize that, but it's one possible solution. And so, and then actually just kind of taking that a step further, I, um, I actually, you know, I live in Washington state now in Western Washington and it's just, I'm just not stressed all the time. If I go out in public, like I was in all the places I've lived in the U S like, um, uh, you know, like eating at a restaurant by yourself is like such a weird thing for people in a lot of places. Nobody bats an eye here. And, you know, I mean, just things like that. It's just like, it's just less stressful to exist here. And, um, and so, you know, that is something I learned about in, in Glasgow. Um, so yeah, I mean, I guess those are kind of the experiences that shaped what's in the book. So, Which is really good because it also brings up the idea that again, Yes, we're talking about sexual orientation. Yes, we're talking about bullying, but we're also talking about the basis of what an introvert is comparative to an extrovert. We're talking about all of these little personality pieces when we're talking about character development, how the world around us and uh, affects the way that we interact with people or with ourselves and see ourselves. So let's talk about the museums because that was a major part of Nick's life as well when it came to art yeah. and drawing. And the idea that she was creating these certain things that were these worlds with her drawings. Let's talk about when we're first introduced to her love of art and some of the things that she was creating. What specific characteristics from those drawings were based off of what she was really living? Like, for instance, example, who was the dragon in her life? Yeah. Well, I would say that the character she, I mean, she did mostly fantasy art. That was her, her comfort level. And she, and, and it's because that's what she read, but she loved it. But I think that, um, that it's kind of, they're kind of symbolic of power. Um, not like an abuse of power, but like a knight is an accomplished person and they're not going to be walked all over by people around them, most likely. And dragons are just obviously inherently powerful with, you know, being large and, you know, easily can fight easily and they have, you know, weapons in their mouths, <laughs> um, you know, fire. Mm. But um, so so I think that that's probably one of the reasons they uh, th those topics appealed to her. I mean, like. She never wanted to draw things like flowers and it wasn't like she couldn't see other art that was of flowers and not think it was pretty it's just it didn't appeal to her and i think that's probably why there was like a strength in in the things she was drawing that made her you know feel a little bit more powerful i would that would that's what i would think 
So who's your favorite art artist then? Um, because you had a lot of different artists in this book. Yeah. Uh, my favorite artist. I, I'm actually fond of Van Gogh, partially because we share a name. Who's not? <laughs> right, come on, who's but, not? But I like it's it. Van Gogh and, we're talking about. What? I said it's Van Gogh we're talking yeah. about. Come on. I know. But um, I'm trying to think like, I can't even think of any others right now. I always draw a blank when I try to think of artists. Um, I mean, I know if I look at something, I can like it. I, I'm really, um, really fond of sort of a loose watercolor style. And I, right. I, in, I inherited a bunch of art from my grandmother. And she studied in England with an artist named Edward Wesson, who was a pretty, I mean, he was a very reasonably well-known watercolorist. I think he worked in other mm -hmm. media too, but, um, but she studied with him. So I inherited a bunch of her paintings and also his, some, at least one of his paintings. And I love it. I mean, it's just beautiful. It's just like this gentle um, view of you mostly landscapes. And so I really enjoy those. I don't know if I would say it was my favorite artist, but I love, I love that style. And, um, and also same thing in, in um, picture books. Um, I like the watercolor style that you have and, um, and I'm actually, there's actually one artist I really like, and I'm totally drawing a blank on his name. It, it's always when we're actually asked <laughs> specifically about somebody. I think it, it might be Jason Chin. He wrote, um, there's a book uh, called, oh, now I'm going to forget, Watercress that he illustrated. He didn't write it, but I just, it's one of my favorite picture books ever. And it's just a beautiful story about growing up the child of immigrants and how how much there is in that and i i personally just love immigrants immigrant stories in general um so it really spoke to me um but yeah so that's he's the illustrator on that book yeah because when we were looking at like the even with the cover of the book there is a dragon on there as well so symbolism is very much a key and everything when it comes to uh, writing, when it comes to visuals, we all have some type of connection to something that makes us feel a certain way or brings out a certain feeling in us. When we're also looking at all of the other themes that are going through this book, all the places that you've traveled, that she has traveled to make this more of a journey from being a introvert to the slightly blended version of an introvert extrovert kind of thing. We also understand that when we are having fun doing our writing, there's a certain way that we, we actually format it. There are certain ways that we lay out these things for you it almost felt like everything was to a specific scene in a movie and and we've noticed that 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 style of writing has started to build up a lot more who are some of those literary influences in your life that made you say hey i want to write it this way this style i want to be able to create things that are similar to what they're doing, but with my own spin, who were your inspirations in, in terms of the writing? Um, well, I, I would say that for me, um, the emotional journey in any book is what I love. And so 
authors that who write that well and i mean i my favorite books are the ones that make me cry it's just like anything that makes me feel really strong emotion i i love those stories and um so i really liked um rainbow rowell um for uh her work and um and she's a ya writer and i also was a big fan of sarah dessen i think she does that well too and in other genres i i love kristen higgins um she originally wrote mostly romance but now she's kind of switched to women's fiction um which i don't like that term but that's what they call it um and yeah we've had a conversation about genres and subgenres. Yeah. there's too many and there's also a romance author um named serena bowen who i think does a fantastic job of the emotional journey so those are sort of like my you know goal posts i guess um in terms of writing you know really moving scenes well, that is awesome because we all know that we have to have be inspired by somebody to do something we all know that everything's been written every story has been told in some way shape or form but there's always another way of spinning it so since we've come to the point where uh, we talk about you just a little bit more so than your your book. Let's talk about your kryptonite. What is your writing kryptonite? I I don't know. This may not be what you're looking for, but I'm thinking like writing something that I have no experience with um, makes me nervous because obviously I have to do research to do that. And I to me, it's very important to get things right. And so um, I would just, you know, I mean, it's easy to kind of fall into a rabbit hole of doing too much research. Um, fortunately for me, like I, because I'm writing contemporary, um, it's not too bad. You know, like my, one of my other books, um, she's a knitter and I don't knit. <laughs> it's just kind of bizarre that I picked this thing for her, but that required a fair amount of research to get the terminology right. And, you know, she has friends and they talk about stuff about knitting. And so, you know, I had to get all that right. Um, but I guess to me, it's just, it's always going to require time because I'm not going to let it go until I feel like I really have it right. No, I definitely understand that because there are some people that when they are asked what their weakness is in a certain thing, it's like, oh, time management, fear, getting distracted very easily. Um, it's very rare that it's something that's, oh, the research. It's writing about something I have no clue about and not feeling comfortable. So we've already asked you what your inspirations are, but is there a certain quote or song or someone in your life that continuously inspires you to continue doing what you do? That's an interesting question. I, I can't really think of anything right off the bat. Um, I'm sort of kind of odd and then I don't, look to many things for inspiration. I, I don't know why that is. Like to me, I'm I've sort of I've I've moved into this space where I want to write things that help people understand things or you know things like that. And I think that's kind of its own motivation is this um desire to share perspectives that people might not have had. So I think that's really what drives me the most. And in fact um I actually went through a period where I I tried to get traditionally published for a long time. And my, my first book was with a small press. Um, but my second and third books, I wanted to try to get an agent and I tried very hard and I eventually just concluded that it wasn't going to happen. And I'm not sure why, but I mean, my books 
you know, as, as I've created them, they've won some awards. So they're obviously decent. <laughs> and so, you know, so I don't know why, <laughs> I don't know why they would never look at me, but they just wouldn't. So finally I went through kind of a depression actually that lasted quite a while, put me in like the worst reading slump I've ever been in my life. Like I couldn't even read. I was so just distressed by everything. And um, when I finally came out of that, it was because I realized I was producing something valuable, or at least I decided that. And so that was kind of the motivator. Well, that, And that's one thing that a lot of us don't understand sometimes is that, you know, not everybody has to have that specific click. That click is literally just going 24 seven. And other times there are certain things that allow us to just get that bump, that little boost when we're feeling low on certain things. So final question for you, what is next for Kelly Vincent? Well, so um, Uglier comes out August 1st and it is the sequel and I'm really proud of it. I love what happened with Nick. I mean, I had this you know, idea in my head of what was gonna happen and it's it ended up, I brought new characters in and it was so, it's so much better than I originally imagined it actually. Um, and then right now I'm working on the third book. So I'm working on Ugliest and I've written three scenes so far. So I'm just at the beginning, but, um, but that I'm hoping to get that out probably a little over a year from now. So that's my next project. And I actually have um, potentially two more books in the same series. Um, so, you know, I just kind of have to wait and see, like, I don't have a specific idea for, the fourth yet, but I may come up with something. And then a f the fifth one, I actually have the sort of premise for that. So, um, and that one, this is terrible, but it might require a trip to Scotland to do research. So I would be suffering. <sighs> <No. greatly. laughs> Absolutely. I mean, come on. Yeah. All those different accents you got to deal with and the gloominess. I mean, well, you are from Washington state too. So it's, not much on the difference with the weather kind of thing. You yeah, know? actually, yeah, Glasgow and, and um, Seattle area are very similar um, sort of in weather style. Um, Scotland's Glasgow is a little bit colder, like overall, but I, I like I like the more temperate. I'm not a big fan of extreme heat or extreme cold. So, <laughs> yeah, I know it's it's one of those things that you just nah, bleh. So we've come to the point where we thank you for being on the show very much, but also a shameless self-promotion. So the floor is yours. Tell everybody where they can find you and any events that you're going to be a part of. The floor is yours. Okay. So I am on TikTok fairly much, I guess. Um, and uh, also I'm, I'm sort of, sort of occasionally on Instagram. I'm not always great about keeping it up, but um, but definitely my TikTok is all about my books and my writing, but I also include lots of reading I do. So it's not just all me asking you to buy things. Um, otherwise, my website is kellyvincent.net. So um, you can always find more information there. And I am you know visible in Amazon and my books are actually available wide, which means they're at all the venues rather than simply Amazon. So I would love it if you checked out this book. And the interesting thing is my other, my first two books are actually super different from Ugly. It's like um, Finding Francis is really a suspense, kind of a light suspense. And Always the New Girl is about a girl who's 
going nowhere and sort of finds a path that surprises her and everyone else. Um, that was a lot of fun to write. And um, so Ugly's already out. And then Uglier comes out on August 1st. So check it out. <laughs> that is awesome. Thank you, Kelly, for being on here. We really appreciate you being here. Yeah, thank you very much. So everybody, like I said, go out, buy Ugly, and enjoy it. Give it to somebody that is going through the same things that our protagonist uh, Nick is going through. And be appreciative of one another, no matter what. Because as we've said, bullying is never going to be something that we can truly completely stomp out but we can sure as heck put a dent in it to where it doesn't impact people's lives in a way that's going to make them lose all hope and take their own uh unalive themselves i should say um but also that it also hits on a lot of things that we didn't even talk about so go out there find the book be surprised of exactly what you're going to get because I was, I can sure as tell you that. But until that time, why don't you head over to beyondthepanpodcast.com, learn everything you can about not only Kelly Vincent and their book, but also all the other great authors that we have on there, myself and Chelsea as well, even though I'm not an author, but I really enjoy storytelling. It's so fun. Also, you can find us on Facebook at our fan page, on Instagram at Beyond the Pen Podcast, as well as Twitter at Beyond the Pen Pod. And don't forget that every new episode is uploaded on your favorite podcasting platform every Tuesday at 5 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, as well as on Thursdays going forward. And we are also putting up the videos up on our YouTube channel. So go out there, get to, uh, get to see us actually somewhat like this, you know, in real life, as well as just going out there and sharing it with your friends or family and anybody else that is a book enthusiast, because we love you. We love these stories. We love to share them with you on this platform. And until next time, folks, thank you for being here. Please join us next week as we have a new author, a new subject, and a new story to tell. So again, until next time, keep writing, keep inspiring, keep sharing, and help yourself unleash your creativity. See you next time. Hey folks, that's a wrap for this episode of Beyond the Pen. We hope you enjoyed listening as much as we enjoyed creating it. If you'd like to stay connected and up to date with everything Beyond the Pen, follow us on Twitter at Beyond the Pen Pod and Instagram at Beyond the Pen Podcast. For even more content and exclusive access to our guest profiles and more, make sure to visit our website at beyondthepenpodcast.com. Don't forget to join our Facebook fan page to interact with our favorite authors and fellow fans of the show. And if you want to take your Beyond the Pen experience to the next level, check out our selection of video interviews on Traverse TV's video on demand and live stream. You can access these interviews through your Roku, Amazon Fire, Apple TV, Google Play, iTunes, or the Traverse TV app. So until next time, thanks again for tuning in and remember, 
to keep writing, inspiring, and sharing as you go beyond the pen.